Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 322. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's going, it's going all right. Springtime. Yeah, sp- spring is in the air. Love it. So happy. Yeah, it's it's been really nice. It was a little cold yesterday because the rain, the rain came in here in New York. Okay, so it's, we got it's a little, little cold. We had we had a, some some downpours and that man, the sun mm. came out and it got hot. Nice, very nice. Yeah. This week on the show, we'll be taking a look at Winari Kahiu's Rafiki. We'll also be taking a look at someone we're watching on the watch list, going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, you can support Film Pulse on Patreon at patreon.com slash filmpulse for just a dollar a month. Also, please consider reviewing us on iTunes, as that is extremely helpful to us. A couple things at the top of the show here. New episode of Say by the 90s is out now. We talk about action films released yes. in April throughout the decade with such classics as Toy Soldiers, Surviving the Game, Bad Boys, and The Big Hit. Let me tell you, The Big Hit. Yeah. You'll have to listen to the show for my extended thoughts, but wow, is that movie horrible. It is offensively bad, and I remember liking it as a youth. <laughs> is that the one with Bokeem Woodbine? Yeah. Yep. It is. <laughs> it is. It's it's so horrible. Mm, I love it. Uh, for those of you who prefer to consume your podcasts on YouTube, I'm going to be publishing the show on YouTube, starting with this episode. This is something we did in the past, but I haven't done it for quite a long time and decided to start doing it again. So check out our YouTube channel where you'll find all of our podcasts along with uh, trailers and clips and things like that, that I will occasionally post up on there. The, the night saved by the nineties has been like, we, we published up to October last October and I'm starting to roll out the, the past episodes of that as well. So the older episodes of that are going to be rolling out week to week. Just a reminder that YouTube is trash. (laughs) <laughs> it is often a toxic wasteland, but I understand that a lot of people use it for podcasts and things. So I just figured I'll start uploading them there again as just another outlet for, for people. Cause I know some people don't really have a preferred platform. A lot of people like to just listen on their computers and stuff. So <laughs> Just giving that as another outlet. All right. Uh, finally, I'll be heading to Tribeca this year. It starts this week. So if you're going to be at Tribeca and want to say hi, shoot me a DM at Film Pulse Net. Let me know what you're looking forward to this year. I'll be mingling around there for no, the next not. 10 days or so. <laughs> mingling. <laughs> yeah, well... I guess mingling is is uh, not correct. I'd say just wandering around, just wandering, <laughs> uh, awkwardly wandering around. There you go. Yeah, that's that's a more I can, accurate I can description. Fish. Description. I can, 
I can visualize it right now. <laughs> uh, awkwardly avoiding all human contact. <laughs> just, I don't want to swivel. Just looking around. <laughs> Trying to figure things out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's hop into our review, shall we? We're talking about Rafiki. I have a synopsis here. Good Kenyan girls become good Kenyan wives, but Kenna and Ziki long for something more. When love blossoms between them, the two girls will be forced to choose between happiness and safety. Kevin, you were excited about this one. This was your pick. Mm -hmm. What? So what did you think of Rafiki? It it didn't let me down. I enjoyed it. Uh, It feels like I've been waiting for this movie for quite some time, to be honest. Which seems to happen a lot, really. I mean, I think we've talked about this a couple of times when we do the the most anticipated. A lot of my, when we do the most anticipated back in January, a lot of it's uh, just holdover from the the previous year's episode. So finally got this one, right? And I think the the thing that got me um, first excited for this initially was the kind of like the the posters and stuff where it's very vibrant, great colors. Mm-hmm. And just, I, I don't know. I like, just like the design of everything. Right. <clears throat> the, the film itself reflects that too. This, yeah. this movie is just bathed in color. I love the colors of this movie. Yeah. And, uh, and even the, the, the outset, the, like the, the credits, the opening credits of this movie, you know, like the cl- the collage work, all the colors, the music. Mm-hmm. Oh man, just got me pumped. You don't see credits like that too much these days. Mm-mm. They feel they feel very classic. The the credits where it's just it's like its own thing where you have these sort of uh, they're set apart. They're not. You know, these days, usually opening credits happen during, like, during the opening scene. This is, like, its own dedicated thing. It feels very uh, reminiscent of how they used to do it in the 80s and 90s and, you know, previous decades. Yeah. And you just get creative with it. Because I loved all the, the, like, the collage artwork that popped up throughout. And then, you know, getting into the movie. Yeah, like, like I said. The colors. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Just bright. Just love it. And I thought the performances were pretty fantastic. I I think the only thing that I had a little bit of an issue with, which didn't really derail the film um, from its its central storyline, is that there were a lot of, like, these little uh, subplots you know, mm-hmm. these little mm-hmm. secondary things. And it just seemed like it was a tad bit overloaded with that. Yeah, a little bit. Like the how her father remarried. Did, did he remarry or just have a girlfriend? I, don't, I yeah, can't he remember. Re, he, he remarried. His new wife is pregnant. He's also running for office. There's also everything going on with Blackstar, where like mm-hmm. he's trying to He's involved with like a woman that runs a kiosk that her mother owns. And then he's also trying to get Kenna like to be his wife. And then there's, they keep 
hounding the one gay guy that lives in the village and like it's all these little things yeah and then there's like the whole because her kenna's father also runs a store so that's that's uh an, a thing that is happening throughout as well especially when it's discovered that kenna is is gay and she ends up develop developing a relationship with Zeke, who her father is running against Kenna's father for office. Yeah, and, which you already have from the outset, just the two of those really shouldn't be together, even just in on friendly terms, you know, because their fathers are opponents and they're from different classes. So you already have that, and then to mix in, you know, the fact that they actually have romantic feelings for one another. Yeah, and I think that it should be noted this was banned in Kenya where it was shot, and yeah. uh, this is this is still a really hot button issue there. Uh, the, the homosexuality is, I think it's illegal there actually. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing reading about why this film was banned is not necessarily because of, you know, any sexual imagery or anything in the movie. It's just that they, they thought that the ending was too hopeful and that it promoted homosexuality. <laughs> so, you know, like if this movie would have ended terribly for the main characters, like would maybe Kenya would be okay with it, which is that's something else entirely. Yeah. Something very bad happens to them at one point. So I think if they ended it there, yeah, then I think Kenya would have been fine with it. But. Yeah. Um, my, I'm guessing that the Kenyan government, that's, that's their favorite part of this movie would be my yeah. guess. But uh, it I, does. I thought it was interesting that it does seem like, okay, you do have, Blackstone, his his friend, you know, they're pretty awful to the to the gay guy who just kind of like shows up occasionally and doesn't really do much outside of just like walking through. Yeah, but it's but it also seemed like Blackstone was a little like he didn't necessarily want to take part in the the bullying that was taking place. At least yeah, that's it was, that it seemed like he was reluctant to do that. Yeah, I think it was more so the other guy. But even, you know, because he also gives him a ride at one point, too. So he's he is friendly with the guy. Yeah. And I think that it, it does show for the most part before they're they're found out, you know, it never really came across that maybe outside of Blacks' friend that anyone was really, you know, against it, against homosexuality, against gay people. And it seemed like when once they were found out, it almost seemed like they were just doing it kind of like out of obligation. Like they, they felt that they had to. Yeah, I think, I think so. I, I mean, especially what happens with them, they, they just turn on them so quickly. I mean, in one moment they are, you know, friends to everyone in, in the whole town, right? Like they're, yeah, they're, they're well-respected. They, they're, fr they, everyone likes them. And then all of a sudden everyone turns on them. And they're like completely ostracized and demonized yeah. for what they did. And I think the, 
the initial, I think the way that they set up the kind of um, like before they actually became a couple, kind of where they had this like longing for one another. I think the performances were really great in the way that they did that because a lot of it's just really like glances. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just that they were just looking at each other, but you can yeah. tell everything through that. You know, mm-hmm. they they conveyed a lot just through glances. And I really liked the one the one decision that they made, you know, when they would when they would have Kenna and Zeke together in a couple of a couple of scenes, you know, where yeah. they finally get to have these quiet moments I together. I know what you're gonna say, but Yeah, where they have like there's the dialogue mm-hmm. but they're not talking. Yeah. Kind of like to represent how like they can't really speak. You yep. know, this can't be out in the open. I thought that was a really interesting way to do that. It's a, you know, it's a small thing. Yeah, they do it like three or four times throughout the movie, and I think that it was a really effective way to convey that. I thought that yeah. that worked tremendously well. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this overall. I think that it's it's an important film because I think that it's easy for people to, especially people in the United States, to live in this sort of bubble and, and think that they're, I mean, as much progress has been made with tolerance i think that it's important to remember that there are so many other countries that are not there yet not even yeah. close to being there yeah oh yeah and i, I it was because the, the the bad thing that does happen i was a little bit worried there because i was like please don't be that movie please don't be you know ending with you know, yeah you know, I wanted it to end with joy instead. Right. You know, uplift. Yeah, we didn't want like a like a boys don't cry. Yeah. Situation happening. I I was a little concerned for that too, but I was also just shocked at how their friends could do that to them. Like, so quickly. So quickly. Too. And and also like Zeke's father, like what he does too, just so awful and then uh, i really i really did like kenna's father i thought that he the the way that he supported her even though he knew this was gonna ruin him i mean it did ruin him like it nobody shopped at the store anymore uh he had to drop out of the the race that he was in for office and I'm not sure what they were running for. It was like UHD or something. Something yeah. like that. I'm not sure what position that was, but it completely ruined him. Yeah. But he was still like he didn't hold that against her or anything. Yeah, he was really the only one that was kind of supportive of her in his own way. Yeah. And he knew Apparently. he he saw them together. So he knew ahead of time. Like he knew beforehand because he he saw them her mom on the other hand was not quite as no i didn't quite understand what because when when she found out that her new stepmom was pregnant it was like a huge thing i mean it was like a big deal and i wasn't quite sure like what what that was all about like why that was such a huge thing I I would imagine that it's probably just like a societal thing where right that's what I know, assumed the, but yeah that it looks bad on her that she's a divorced woman and now he's 
with someone else younger and having a kid. Right. And it was a boy too, which I'm sure has yeah, even bigger, uh, even bigger implications. And now, now she's, now her daughter's gay too. You know, she's just she's she's, falling apart. She's just the devil's devil's everywhere. Yeah. O- overall, I thought it was really solid though. Definitely give this a recommendation. Same here. And the other thing that kind of got made it even more excited to see this is um, I was already excited for it, been waiting for it. And then uh, news came out that Winori, the the director of this movie, is going to be teaming up and adapting uh, Octavia Butler's Wild Seat for Amazon. So I was excited to see what she does here and, you know, kind of to, to get some excitement brewed up for, to see her tackle sci-fi stuff on mm-hmm. Amazon, which man, the colors and stuff, that vibrancy, that, that should be fun. Yeah, certainly. I hope so. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts before we give this a score? Uh, no, no. Yeah, I would say check it out. This is playing limited release right now. I'm not sure what the VOD schedule looks like for, for this. Uh, but if it is playing in your area, I would say check it out. I'm going to give this a... Um, I'm sitting at like a seven, seven and a half. Maybe seven and a half on this for me. Okay, okay. Oh, I do have one because... They talked about it a couple of times, but never really said who they are. Samantha Mogazio, who plays Kenna, she's fantastic, as is uh, Shilly Muniva, who plays uh, Zeke. I mm-hmm. think they really, they really hold the the whole thing together. Yeah, they're they're both fantastic. So I think I'm I'm with you. I think seven and a half. I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna lock it in. Again, that's Rafiki. All right, let's talk about someone we've been watching. Kevin, I think it's your turn this week. I have not watched that much. Uh-oh. Because two of my prime days, I don't have internet. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> which sucks because I had, I had plans. I had plans. Big Adam. plans. I had so many options and uh, didn't really get any of them. To work out for me, uh, but I do. I was able to see a couple shorts before my world fell apart, internet-wise. And this was since we talked a little bit about YouTube. I did. I watched something on YouTube, and YouTube instantly reminded me why it's trash. Uh, I watched a short film called "Doing What They Love." It's this short music doc about this uh, this program in Sudan where these, all these musicians, different types of musicians, all different backgrounds, different ages, they get together for about like two weeks. They just get together and they kind of rehearse and try things out. And they're all playing with each other and they all, you know, different styles of music. You got beat makers, you got jazz artists, you got singers, all sorts of people just kind of jamming together, see what they come up with. And then at the end of the two weeks, they kind of put on this, this concert, where 
you know, they get to actually like up on a stage and actually perform for a crowd and everything. So kind of just like following them around. And the one, the one is really interesting because they're talking to this guy and he has a really bad stammer. Like he is, he has a, a real difficulty in getting words out, right? Like he's, he's got to spit them out. And he's talking about how like music helps him and everything. And I'm kind of thinking, because I'm an idiot, I'm like, oh, he's like a guitar player or something, you know? And then he's talking about uh, like how the beat kind of slaps him on the back of the head and kind of takes his stammer away. So it immediately cuts to him rapping in Arabic. And like, not only is he a good rapper, but he's like a fast rapper too. Huh. And it was just, it was just incredible to see like, okay, here's this guy that has to say like one sentence would take him, you know, like half a minute. And then here he is next shot, just riding a beat like crazy. It's just, it's really good stuff. should check it out. It was, and it's interesting because it's, uh, the way that it's shot and everything and the way that it kind of goes, because they tie it into like Sudan as a country and everything. So it has this um, Guava Island vibe. And I don't know if it's just because I watched that like a couple of days beforehand, but it was everything that Guava Island was trying to do and failed miserably at. And they just did it effortlessly because they're actually doing it. Well, what, at the, at the beginning of this, you you mentioned something about YouTube mm. being bad. So I click on the thing, takes me YouTube, start watching, and you know the the upper right where it's like, I guess it's like their auto playlist or whatever, and it's just like their the suggested video next for me to watch. It was mm-hmm. like something about like the myth of slavery. <laughs> oh God! And I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh. Like, what the fuck? Why is that my... Like, all I do is watch music videos, usually. <laughs> uh, yeah, the YouTube algorithm is... Uh, I just It's, it's not uh, the best. It's... Oh, God. Uh, I saw Hellboy finally caught up with this. You know, the, I read all the... I didn't read any reviews, but I saw that it was being completely eviscerated. I... Some people on my timeline saw it and weren't too fond of it, but from what people were saying, it sounded like it was just this kind of over the top, just turn off your brain, have a good time with it. And, and I can tell you, you you do turn off your brain, but it is not a good time. <laughs> I love new. First of all, I'll preface by saying. I've liked almost everything Neil Marshall has done. I'm a big fan of this, this director and even the movies that critics weren't fond of like doomsday. I was a huge fan. I love doomsday. Obviously the descent is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And his other movies are really great too, like dog soldiers and Centurion. So I went in with an open mind. I went in thinking this is going to be a B movie. It's just going to be dumb, gory fun. And it is extremely gory. Holy crap. This movie is so over the top with the gore and and that aspect of it. Yeah, it is kind of fun. But the thing is, 
everything else in this movie is so poorly done. It is so bad. I don't know exactly what happened. I think a lot of the problems occurred in the editing room for this movie. The editing is so atrocious. I couldn't even believe what I was watching at times. Poorly paced. uh, Just scenes stitched together that don't fit. I liked David Harbour as Hellboy. I thought that he played a good Hellboy. I know a lot of people were like, who can replace Ron Perlman? And I still think that at the end of the day, Ron Perlman might be the better Hellboy, but I did like to see this sort of edgier R-rated version of the character on screen. (sighs) But man, is it... (laughs) It's very, very bad. Very, very bad. The problem is it takes itself way too seriously. Like the character of Hellboy is always sort of joking around and he's like always wisecracking and stuff. But the rest of the movie is just so serious. And the very, very final scene in the movie, which sort of sets things up for a possible sequel That scene, that final action scene, which is sort of just like a footnote. It's just a thing that that they put at the end that doesn't really have any relevancy to the the rest of the movie. It that is fun. And they do play that for just over the top gory fun. But all the other set pieces and all the other scenes don't play out that way. So yeah, I can't recommend Hellboy at all. Like I was kind of expecting a Punisher Warzone situation where everybody hated Punisher Warzone and I liked it. I thought it was it was so ridiculous and fun, but it's this is not that. This is actually in a lot of ways it's pretty boring. Some of the effects work is really good, some of it is god awful. There's a there's a scene where he goes up against uh, the Baba Yaga and that like the, the makeup combined with the CG, it was like sort of this hybrid of like some of it was CG. Some of it was practical. That was like really good, very creepy character. And a lot of the other characters that have that, that pop up look really good. Some of the creature design is very creative and very, very cool. Um, Sort of, I mean, this is obviously separate from the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies, but it also seems to draw inspiration from some of his characters. So a lot of the creature design is really cool, but also the CG is a little bit of a mixed bag. Mm. So yeah, again, can't recommend Hellboy. Mm. Yeah, I think it, anytime that you watch a movie that you really dislike for you a lot, I can get a lot out of if you do that that deep, deep sigh that yeah. you always tend to do. That tells yeah. me everything. That tells mm-hmm. me everything I need. <laughs> yep. It's like, that's a very succinct um, form of criticism. Just to hear that that deep Adam sigh, mm-hmm. I'm just yep. like I I know everything. He said it all right there. <laughs> uh, another short that I watched, which I think you would enjoy this one. It's called In Dog Years. 
Oh, I've seen this. Oh, you did? You did yes. see it? Yeah. Man, this is directed by Sophie Rampari. And man, Guinness puts those, those doggles on. The doggles are great. Oh, my God. Because at, at first, Mango, who, who opens up the film, just a, an old soul. I figured just, Mango I would be your favorite because Mango sort of has that, that schnauzer. You kind of have schnauzer. Look a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he, like, he, he, he's a mixed breed, but he definitely has that sort of look. And he even has that like old, like long gray beard. He's just, he just looks so wise and he's just it's so curious about the camera. Yeah, he's 20 years old too. Yeah. These seem pretty spry for 20 years old. I know, right? Like, the, 20 years old, that is a very old dog. Yeah. And uh, he's still getting around. He's still walking around the shop, getting up in the camera, all that. Mm-hmm. Which uh, is, is, my, is the thing I like the most about uh, Rumfari's, um like, dog docs. Because the one that she did beforehand was called Norman Norman, which was about her own dog. It was an old dog and it was kind of about mortality and everything and kind of what she's doing here, but with other people's dogs, but the camera's always on the dog, mm-hmm. which I just, I just like, you know, these, do- <laughs> these dogs just kind of oblivious to what everyone else is talking about, which is them and their mortality and everything. And these dogs are just, just wandering around, just mm-hmm. relaxing, getting up in that camera, putting doggles on. Getting eaten by kittens. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, goddamn dogs. Uh, so just to clarify a little bit, it's a doc. It's a short documentary about elder uh, dogs in their in their elder years. Yeah, she just essentially you know talks to the owners, you know about kind of you know a little bit of everything what the dogs mean to them. A lot of them don't really want to talk about what's going to happen to the dogs, which they know is going to happen at some point in the very near future. Yeah. Yep. I liked Jack, of course. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I liked them all, but... I didn't, yeah, didn't dislike any of the dogs. But Mango, Mango and Guinness, because it was all Mango, but then Guinness put on the doggles, and I didn't know that was a thing. And... It was incredible because Guinness seemed to love those goggles. Yeah, this is it's like an 11 minute short. So if you're a dog lover, I'd say check it out. Although expect to be brought to tears by the end. At least I was. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't know. I think I might have talked about this, but one of the one of the main things or one of the main reasons I didn't want to get a dog is because of thinking about that, you know? Yeah. Cause it, you know, it, you're going to have to do it at some point. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. It's a, it's a very tricky thing. It's, I mean, the way that I look at it, it's a trade off, right? Like you, you will inevitably have to deal with that, but you have to look at the, the years of joy that yeah. it will provide for you. Yeah. And I think that was the thing that, uh, because my dog's argument to that was essentially jumping around like a goat. And I was like, good point. Good point. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Yeah. Great, great little 
short. Um, I saw Police Story one and two. Oh hell yeah! This is the first time I've ever seen Police Story one or two, okay. and I'm I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that it took me this long to watch the first two Police Story movies. Police Story three is Super Cop, so that that came out here in America. So I saw that years ago, but I am going to revisit it. I'm I'm planning on getting through the whole Police Story series. Uh, this this sort of this sort of came about in a, a number of ways. Actually, we Ryan watches a movie. We had him watch Rumble in the Bronx, so I rewatched that, and it sort of reignited the 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 spark of me loving Jackie Chan movies. And it just so happened that Criterion is releasing Police Story one and two, and uh, they were kind enough to send me a copy and. Uh, man, holy crap. Police story. If you haven't seen it, this is like Jackie Chan's masterpiece. This is the movie that, so if, if you're not super familiar with his like career trajectory, he was making a lot of, uh, Hong Kong movies with, um, like Sammo Hung and doing these kind of comedy action movies that, that weren't really his like he was doing them with like you know his his troop of of actors and they weren't really his own movies and then he ended up coming to Hollywood and he did he did Cannonball Run and he was in that and he did this movie I think it was called like The Protector or something like that and it was like very bad <laughs> and he was just sort of disheartened by the industry and he went back to Hong Kong and he's like, all right, I'm just going to do my own movie. And so he did police story and he directed it. He even did the music himself. He sang the theme song. He stars in it. He did all the, uh, obviously he did all the stunt choreography and everything. I mean, this is like his movie through and through. And it's the first movie where he introduces a lot of, I mean, this is like the first one that really accentuates his style and what would, you know, be sort of his trademark for movies, his movies uh, going forward where, you know, we talked about it on Ryan Watch's movie where like his style is more of like a defensive style where he's trying to avoid conflict as much as possible. This is the one that started that. This is the one that started the him putting the outtakes in at the end of the movie and during the credits and man, I got to say the, some of the set pieces and some of the stunts in this movie are jaw dropping, like just insane. Some of the stuff that happens. And when you're watching it, you're just like, that's real. Like what I'm watching is, is real. People are getting hurt. I know that people are getting hurt during this. Like this is so out of control. And like I learned, to, uh, first of all, uh, I'll have a review for the the Blu-ray set in probably next week. But a lot of the special features, and it is loaded with special features. They talk about you know how they make these movies and stuff, and like a lot of it because we're used to Hollywood movies being very safe. You know, lots of insurance, lots of stunt doubles, and stuff like that. Lots of wires, everything. Everything's all camera tricks and stuff, but Jackie Chan movies are not like that at all. Like he, 
he just like when they break glass and stuff like it's real glass like they just use real glass they don't use like fake glass and when you see police story you'll just be like oh my god because there's a scene in the mall where so much glass is being shattered everywhere it's it's wild and they seems so dangerous yeah and and they, they just have they just have this this thing about it, like, you know, in their fight scenes, like they don't, if, if Jackie Chan is punching you, it's not like he's shadow punching you. He actually makes contact. And that's like one of the things that he wanted to do that was really important to him when making his movies is the audience should be able to feel the impact of the punch or the kick. So they, instead of like pretending to hit somebody you actually hit somebody and he just had them he just has people wear pads and stuff or he has like special shoes so if you're kicking somebody in the face they wear these like shoes that look like regular shoes but they just have extra padding in them so that when you make impact it doesn't hurt as much (laughs) oh yeah sure 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 i mean that being said I'm not going to be signing up to get kicked in the face by Jackie Chan. No, no. It's, I, mean, uh, I, just, I just love that idea of like, I wonder if that's how he sold his movie, the idea of his movie. He's like, hey, you know how, you know, most martial arts movies and stuff, you don't actually hit the person. You just kind of like shadow, shadow punch and stuff. And they're like, yeah. He's like, well, in mine, how about I actually do kick you in the face? <laughs> Uh, and the other, I mean, the other thing is like when, like starting with police story, I mean, maybe, maybe a couple of his earlier ones too, but I I know I'm pretty sure police story was the first one where he just, he uses his own team. Like he, this is when he, I think he started his stunt team in 1977. And so like when he made police story in 85, it, he, all of the people are his own team. So you have this. Like just really all of the action is like sort of uniform and it all fits together just so perfectly. And same with police story four or two, there's this really great action scene that's on a playground. And it's just, when you're watching it, you're just like, Oh my God. (laughs) Like, Oh my God. How are these people still walking after this? It's really mind blowing. There's also a scene in police story that involves uh, a car chase through this like shanty town that's like on built on the side of a mountain. And so there's just like four cars that are just barreling through this town, like through houses and stuff. And there's like explosions. When you see it, you're just like that. That is incredible. I, I don't understand how they shot that. So police story, police story two highly 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 recommend checking them out if you haven't uh seen them i i think police story one is is my new favorite jackie chan movie yeah. all right did a, a a rewatch what kind of a rewatch i don't know if i actually ever saw the whole thing first time around but uh nor efron's julie and julia all right all right so this is on netflix uh couldn't pick something to watch my wife threw it out there, and I was like, you know what? I'll do it. Let's do it. I don't care. I like food. I like Julia Child. And uh, this is actually 
Really interesting. I really like the structure of this, where it's essentially two biopics in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how the per- they and how they twist them together. Yeah, it was like Julia Childs and then the, the person writing the book, right? Well, there's essentially what they do is half of it's a Julia Child biopic where it's her, her and her husband played by Stanley Tucci where they, when they go to uh, Paris in the 50s to live there and she's kind of like trying to find something to do and then she ends up taking this, this cooking class which is usually for professionals and they're all men. She's the first woman to be there. So it's kind of about that. And then like her, like writing a cookbook for Americans about French cooking and everything. So you have that. And then in the the present day, the 2002, Amy Adams is playing Julie Powell, who starts a blog because she just wants to do something. And she cooks her way through the entirety of oh, that's Julia, right. Ch- yeah. that's Julia right. Child's first cookbook. So... And then, you know, they kind of jump back and forth, which they do a really good job of, you know, tying it, you know, switching back and forth between the, between the two timelines. And uh, Meryl Streep is really funny as Julia Child. I just, I was actually cracking up a good bit. There's a ridiculous scene where she first learns how to chop up onions. So I guess she's practicing at home and she's just chopping up like 60 onions. It's just a mountain of onions and Stanley Tucci comes home and they're just, they're kind of like quipping back and forth, but also crying at the same time because it's 8,000 onions being chopped. It's just, it's a good time. Good time. I enjoyed it. Uh, that's, that's all I have. I've been pre gaming some Tribeca stuff that I oh boy can't, can't talk about quite yet, but, uh, Stay tuned because I'll be circling back. All right, let's talk about some new releases in theaters this week. We have Carmine Street Guitars. I think it's a, it's a rock doc. Of course it is. We have uh, the big one, Avengers Endgame. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, pretty excited for this. I'm not like over the moon about it. I don't know. <laughs> is it? I, uh, I'm sure I'll it, like it. Is it Avengers fatigue? I think so. I think it's just a little bit of the old superhero fatigue mm-hmm. that I'm having. It's like every weekend, just about. I'm sure it'll be good though. It looks. It looks good. It looks. I mean, a, a lot of like everything in the Avengers world has been sort of culminating into this one final showdown runtime's three hours <laughs> so it's a little daunting but hopefully it's good and we also have the white crow coming out along with body at brighton rock uh jt leroy or leroy i guess oh that's there's not a lot coming out this week. No, yeah. An, an, an animated movie called Chloe, I Trap the Devil, which is this sort of uh, lo-fi horror movie about a guy who believes he trapped the devil in his house. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's decent it's with uh, AJ Bowen, and that's pretty much it for theaters. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah, every I mean everything's everybody's getting out of the way of Avengers. True. That's even the even idea. the smaller indies are just like, nope, not going to touch that. On VOD this week, on Tuesday we have Naples in Veils, Hagazusa. What Hagazusa? Yeah, hitting VOD. Heard I good things. Was... Still haven't still haven't seen it yet, but uh, I'm gonna try to try to catch it maybe today if I can. Patrimonio. Mm-hmm. On the 24th we have Sprinter. Oh, okay. It's a, a running. A running. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Running sure dock, huh? Yeah, I don't know if it's a dock. I think it might be a dock. A Rastafarian teenager in Philadelphia hopes to qualify for the national youth track team for the World Youth Championships. Okay. At first, like a dock. at first, I thought you were saying the title for the next film and about nine words into it i was like jesus christ this is a long title <laughs> <That's> a long <laughs> ass title <laughs> uh and then on friday we have i trap the devil body at brighton rock jt Leroy, and that's about it for vod blu-ray we have some new releases some re-releases of the Avengers stuff. So we have like Captain America coming out in 4K. So, so, so we have Winter Soldier, Civil War coming out in 4K. Alien from 19, 1979 is coming out on 4K. The Witch is coming out on 4K. Arrow is releasing Scared Stiff from 1987. Talked about that a couple weeks ago. Escape Room is coming out on Blu-ray. Not a big fan of that one. Uh, Bisbee 17. Okay. Been waiting a while for that one. Yeah. That's about all I have. What about Criterions? Not a whole lot of DVDs coming out either. Nope, nope, nope. Jeez. Uh, One Criterion coming out. That's 1957's A Face in the Crowd. The old Andy Griffith. This is a great movie, by the way. If you've never seen it, check it out. See Andy Griffith in a different light. Uh, and you got some new interviews in there. Got a documentary from 2005. It's a, little, a little light on the special features, but you know, whatever. Hmm. Cool. I have to give that a look. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. We have a minute. Take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. How the party looks, I look so good.